and I learned the greatest gift of all. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And the choices that you make will shape your life forever. On the streets of the Bronx Is where I wanna be Standing on the corner Singing good old harmony I'll be waiting for the That was Lilo Broncado in a Bronx tale Welcome to Keeping It a Hundo. Today's guest is Lilo Broncado. Chaz Palminteri wrote those words. Robert De Niro directed him. They all started together in the iconic 1993 film A Bronx Tale. Lilo Broncado became an overnight star in A Bronx Tale. He had never acted before. He was picked off at Jones Beach to play Robert De Niro's son. And he was a prodigy. It was like he was put on this earth to act. Chaz Palminteri said he had just as much talent as Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Downey Jr. But he was also prophetic in those words about the saddest thing in life being wasted talent. In December of 2005, Lilo made a decision that changed his life forever and ended somebody else's. But before I get into the Lilo Broncado story, I want to tell a story about Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Sending prayers out to Big Poppy. Back in the summer of 2017, I had the pleasure of spending some time with Big Poppy in Positano, Italy on the Amalfi Coast. I was out there with my girlfriend, Marissa. We had one of the best days ever. Uh, we were out on a boat all day exploring the Amalfi Coast. Just the two of us and uh, our tour guide, Fabio and he took us out to the island of Capri and we went swimming in the grottos and just a, an amazing day on the boat. We were out there all day, eight hours. And by the time we got back, we were too tired to go out to dinner at one of the fancy spots we had been going to on the previous night. So we just took a walk into town and we figured we'd grab something casual and uh, take it easy that night. Well, we went by this place that I had been before. It's called Shea Black. It's owned by a guy named Gianfranco Russo. So as we're being seated at the restaurant, we, we notice there's uh, a lot of attention being paid to a couple tables near the entrance. We soon realized there was Denzel Washington at one table with his family. And Gianfranco Russo, the owner, was sitting with him. And at the table next to them, was a very recognizable face as well. It was Big Poppy David Ortiz with Red Sox ownership group. Uh, John Henry was there, as well as Tiffany, Big Poppy's wife. I remember Marissa saying, that's my, my mom's favorite actor. That's my dad's favorite actor. I got to figure out a way to meet him so I can tell them I met him. And who doesn't love Denzel? But in my mind, I was thinking, I got to meet Big Poppy. You don't know how important Big Poppy is to Boston. This isn't that far after the marathon bombing. Like Big Poppy said, this is our fucking city. I wanted to be able to tell my friends and family that I met Big Poppy. That's huge. 
But more importantly, I wanted a chance to talk to him a little bit and maybe get the chance to have an actual conversation with him. I had heard nothing but good things about him. So as much as we wanted to approach them and talk to them or get a picture with them, we decided we would um, do what most of the people there didn't do and give them some privacy and not bother them and let them enjoy their vacation. One of the most beautiful places in the world, still one of my favorite places, maybe my favorite place I've ever been. We finished our meal and we watched people take pictures and uh, you know ask for autographs and you know just continue to bother them throughout the meal. Obviously Denzel was the one getting most of the attention because he's the one who's internationally famous. Uh, Big Poppy not so much, but they were cool about it. As we were leaving, Gianfranco stood up from Denzel's table and he stopped us and he asked us who we were and wanted to know more about us and I don't know, he just, he wanted to talk. So he invited us to his lounge, which is nearby. It's called the Flyby Lounge in Positano. And he said that uh, there'll be a select group of people there, and that would include the people that were in his company that night. So we said, yeah, sure, we'll be there. So we went home and changed. And, and we looked at each other, and we were both, me and Marissa were both like, are we really going to hang out with Denzel Washington and Big Poppy right now? And it turns out we were. We, we showed up at Fly Bar. And there was about maybe 10 to 15 people there. That included Big Poppy and his wife Tiffany, John Henry, and Denzel and his wife. We had just missed uh, John David Washington. He, he left before we got there, Denzel's son. But it was, a, it was a small group. And as soon as I walked in, Big Poppy was standing at the bar and he saw me. And he said, he greeted me, hey, what's up, man? And we hadn't even spoke earlier. I had just said, hey, Big Poppy, when we're walking by the table, and that was it. And as soon as I walked into the bar that night, this is a couple hours later, he was waiting at the bar, and he treated me like he knew me, asked me what I wanted to drink. We discussed Boston and Miami. He's building. A, he was building a house in Miami at the time, and he was telling me his plans for his kids, going to school in Miami, and... Living in Miami, uh, he had been renting a condo in my neighborhood at the time. We just had, we had a great conversation. He asked me if I would take a picture with him because he wanted to send it back to, uh, he said, Pedroia loves this shit. He said, he saw my, uh, I have a Boston tattoo on my arm. It's like a Red Sox symbol to be from the Red Sox hat. And he said, I want to send this to Pedroia. He loves that shit. That's exactly what he said. So he took a picture of my arm. And he posed for a picture with me for his own phone. I'm not sure what he did with it. It all felt pretty natural at the time. He just has a a presence about him, a way of making you feel really comfortable. And I didn't really think much about it. And then I said, hey, can I get a picture with you? So I got a picture with him. Marissa got a picture with with him. And uh, he brought us over to meet his wife. We hung out with his wife for a while. And after about an hour or so, they said they were going back to their yacht. They were, they had a yacht they were cruising through the Mediterranean with. And they were headed to Sardinia the next day, which is an island off of Italy. 
Well, once everybody was gone, we went to settle up our bot tab, and they said, yeah, the, uh, the gentleman, the big gentleman took care of it. And it turned out that Big Poppy took care of my tab for the night. I had just met him that day. I still don't know him, but I can tell you, he's a good man. He has a good heart. I don't know who would shoot him. Like Bill Burr said, it's like shooting Santa Claus. I have no idea how you could try to hurt Big Poppy. The guy's done a lot of good for a lot of people in Boston and in Dominican Republic. And who knows why somebody would want him dead, but I know that I'm glad he made it. I hope everything's okay. I hope he makes it through this. He definitely left an impression on me back in the summer of 2017, and I'm grateful for it. It's a night me and Marissa will never forget. I'm looking forward to the day I run into him in Miami and I get to thank him for that night and tell him I'm glad he's okay and he made it through that terrible night in Santo Domingo. And the last thing I want to say about that is, I don't know if anyone saw the videos of the angry mob beating up the shooter. They were body slamming him and breaking bottles over his head. He was all bloodied. But they did show some restraint and a little bit of humanity. I feel like in Boston, if that happened, I don't think that guy will be alive. But that's just my opinion. God bless you, Big Poppy, and get well soon. Lilo Brancato was born in 1976 in Bogota, Colombia. He was adopted by an Italian family in Yonkers, New York. So he was born and raised in Yonkers. This is a kid who literally became a star overnight when The Bronx Tale was released. He was a nobody. He wasn't an actor. He wasn't an aspiring actor. He just, he won the lottery. After that, he starred in Crimson Tide and Renaissance Man. And then he got a role in The Sopranos, played Matthew Bevilacqua. Despite his professional success, his personal life was a mess. He was becoming addicted to drugs, started with weed, and then it went to coke, and then he was smoking crack, and then he was snorting heroin, which is what led to that fateful night in December of 2005. He was with a friend, it was actually a guy who was the father of an ex-girlfriend and the two of them were doing drugs together. They were out at the strip club all night and at 4 a.m. they decided they need more. So they go to the Bronx to the home of a man that they know has some pills that'll cure his, his dope sickness. And in the process, the next door neighbor was an off-duty cop. He shoots Lilo in the stomach and Lilo's accomplice shoots the off-duty police officer and kills him. So Lilo went to trial for murdering a police officer as well as robbery. Lilo was lucky. He was convicted of robbery. He did 10 years and his accomplice got life for killing the police officer. Fortunately for Lilo, he beat the murder rap, but he still hadn't beat his drug addiction. He overdosed on heroin in his cell in Rikers Island, awaiting his sentencing to go upstate to prison. 
Lilo finally got clean in 2006. It's been almost 13 years now. He's been involved in a program that helps people addicted to drugs and alcohol, and he's still acting. He's had a few roles since he was released from prison five years ago. He also has a few projects that he's working on that haven't been released yet. But this conversation was really important to me because of the influence a Bronx Tale had on my life. I was at that age. Uh, I was about the same age as the character. I was doing a lot of the same things that that character was, having the same type of feelings. I began interracial dating, which was one of the central themes throughout the movie. There were also life lessons, like you only get three great ones. So I was always counting. Well, was she a great one or is she a great one? Does she have potential to be a great one? Oh, she wasn't a great one. I thought she was a great one, but she wasn't. Uh, there's that, and then there's the Cador test, which I, you know, back in the mid 90s when I was in high school, the Cador test was still something you could do because not every car had the automatic locks. Well, that changed things. You can't really do the Cador test anymore, but. There's always the Mario test, which I didn't I didn't try the Mario test, but we did discuss that in the podcast. This movie also influenced me to read some Machiavelli. Is it better to be loved or feared? Availability. Just gems. There's just so many great themes. I wrote a couple papers about it in, in high school. And of course there's the resemblance between myself and the character in the movie from back then and the resemblance that still stands today our hair seems to have gone the same direction from a thick head of curly hair when we were younger to a shaved head with a little salt and pepper on our face these days but one of the main things i remember is being from the suburbs and watching this movie that took place in the bronx and this urban lifestyle, it just, that was the part that was very different. And that was the element of a Bronx tale that I was really envious of. And I just looked at it like, wow, I wish that's how it was over here. But it was also, you know, it took place in a, in a different time. So we met in Yonkers uh, at a Dunkin' Donuts. We ended up doing the podcast behind the Dunkin' Donuts in the parking lot next to a dumpster. Just happened to be the spot that we were at and we had to get it done, so we got it done. You might hear a little noise in the background, but overall the sound is okay. I had my good friend Andy the Birdman Thompson working uh, working with me, helping me out. He took some videos and we used the trunk of his car to record on. So. Shout out to the Birdman, thank you for that. The working man is definitely not a sucker. Not only did Lilo learn that in the movie, but he learned it in real life from his father, Lilo Brancato Sr., as did I from my father. And happy Father's Day to my father and all the other fathers that will be celebrating Father's Day this weekend. And although this podcast is about Lilo and his redemption and his sobriety, I don't want to gloss over the fact that a New York City police officer by the name of Daniel Enchotegi lost his life due to some of the bad decisions Lilo made. But I do believe in second chances and I do believe in redemption stories. I know I've made my mistakes and I'm glad people gave me another chance. 
I hope Hollywood gives Lilo the chance he deserves. He has a documentary out on Amazon called Wasted Talent. And it's true that drugs and alcohol and prison took some of the best years away from him. But I do believe he has some gas left in the tank and he's a very talented guy. The kid can still act and he's definitely a character. This is my conversation with Lilo Brancato Jr. I'm not a big hockey guy, but I hadn't watched hockey in 10, 12 years until this year. You know, back, you know, like, the, you know, since 84 is when, you know, I started watching the Mets, the Knicks, Ewing, yeah. Penguins, Lemieux, Marino. That's when I all started. Yeah. Doc Gooden was rookie. You yeah, I was going to say you were a big Mets guy, right? I still am, yeah. Mets suck. Who, did Ewing? They always suck. Did Ewing break the backboard at our high school? Who was that then? I didn't hear he broke the backboard, but he played against us. It, Ewing played a, uh, against our high school in the state tournament in oh, high yeah? school. Yeah. yeah, he's from Cambridge. But let's talk about how you grew up. We're in uh, we're in Yonkers now. What was it like growing up here? I know you're adopted. This guy's adopted too. Oh, okay, nice. Columbia. You been to Columbia? No. I mean, I was born there. Came here. I was four months old. Uh, January first, nineteen seventy-seven. I was born August 30th, 1976. Uh, so, I mean, I've only come to know, you know, being Italian-American. I grew up in, you know, Yonkers, New York. There's a lot of Italians here, especially in the street. Where I grew up, not where I live now, um, is on the other side. It was all Italians. Um, and, it, you know, it was, a good, uh, it was a good childhood. It was a very good childhood. A lot, lot going on for us kids, you know. I know growing up, you had some trouble in school. You were getting in some trouble, at being, you know, being a class clown, whatever the hell you were doing, and they send you to a shrink. Right. Okay. So I dealt with some of that. Not, not as a kid. That what was that? You were like a teenager or middle school, um, high school. It was like, uh, yeah, seventh, eighth grade when I went to Mount Saint Michael in the Bronx. Okay. They thought it would be a good idea for me to go see someone uh, and to maybe get a little more insight as to why I act out in class and do some of the things that I did. So I was like, yeah, I was like 12, 13, 14, like back, I was like that, like that. Mine was a little later. When I got into college, I was getting in a lot of trouble and I was acting out, I was drinking too much and I was fighting, just a loose cannon. And they, they finally told me on the campus of my college, like, you're, you're, when it, we don't feel safe with you on campus. You gotta go. Uh, the only way we'll allow you to like move on with your life and we won't tell everybody we're expelling you is if you get counseling for anger management, alcohol, and depression. So I go get treated for that. I mean, I'm 19 years old. I, I didn't want any help. I didn't think I needed any help. I had all the answers. And I, I continued doing that for a few more years and it led to more trouble. But. The path, I had my reasons for what I was, why I was doing what I was doing. I've heard you in other interviews. I've read things. Do you feel like there's a reason you got into drugs? 
No, I don't think there was a reason at all. <clears throat> I mean, I think it was just the perfect storm. You weren't trying to escape anything. No, it, it started with partying. It was yeah, partying, and then it led to you couldn't handle there it. There was nothing to escape. Life was going great. You know what I mean? But I just grew up too fast. I, you know, it was the perfect storm. I was at the age where kids start to experiment, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, when they're in high school and they start doing those kind of things. And then I get, you know, then I get discovered on the beach to be in De Niro's movie. That was a huge success. So, of course, that contributed to the excessive drug use and, you know, all of that. So it was just a combination of everything that was going on. It was the perfect storm, you know? Tell the story about how they found you on Jones Beach. I've heard it a million times, but I feel like my listeners might not know it because unless you follow some, I, I've been following your whole career for a while. I've always been, let me tell you this, uh, how, I, how I even saw Wasted Talent. I heard you on a few podcasts. You guys were promoting it. I heard, I think you were on Adam Carolla. You do that one? Yeah. I heard you on that. Might have heard, do you go on Rogan? No, no. number one on Rogan. You did I'd a like couple to. that Rogan, I heard. Rogan's Rogan has a great, great podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I heard you on a couple podcasts, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I want to see that when it comes out. Forgot about it. Time passed. I was with a friend recently who I grew up with, a very close friend, and he told me that he's finally kicked his opioid habit, and he's on Suboxone. I mean, he's been doing drugs since we were kids. You know what? Kids. If you're on Suboxone, you didn't kick anything. You're still, you're still, still attached you, to the... You still got something that you're using to not feel. Yeah. You have to get sick. You yeah. have to get sick. It took me almost like two months before I went to sleep again, before I was able to sleep. You have to go through that. Suboxone is just one more thing. Mm -hmm. It's an opiate blocker. Right. It mimics the effects of an opiate, but you're still feeling high to take you away from the other thing. But there's still something where your mind is being altered. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to discredit no, 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 your friend, but, it's, but it's I'm a, just it's saying. It's a next step. Right. It's, it's just that, you know, I mean, you want to get clean, you get clean. Yeah. You, you got to feel the pain. Listen, I tell people all the time, you know what? It took you this amount of time to make the mess you're in now, so it's gonna take you time to clean that mess up. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you really want it bad, this is what you have to do. No one else put you there, you put yourself there. So this is what you have to do now. And I think just, I'll, I'll, you know, like, the personality trait of someone who's an addict is, one of the personality traits of someone who's an addict is, they want instant gratification. They want escape, boom, right now, right here. Let me take this drug, let me, and then they go where they want. And that's the same thing with getting sober. They want that instant gratification on the other end. And that's not the way it works. And it's kind of like a real culture shock from being high all the time to like now standing on your own two feet. But you know, taking it a while for you to be able to do that. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. He told me he was scrolling through Amazon and saw the documentary. He saw Wasted Talent. Okay. And I he, wish him all the best. I'm not trying to say anything. Yeah. And, he, if, you know, if he ever wants to call me or whatever, you know what I mean? I'll talk to him. I'm just saying, you got to get, even that stuff is poison, no, I'd, too. I'd really, so like him, I'd really like him to hear this. Right. And he, he actually told me, he said, when you talk to him, tell him I said uh, good luck in his sobriety. Yeah, and, and I believe that tough love works. I think when you coddle people and you, you, yes, you yes man them, and that's not the way it works. It, it, you need a little, you know, you need a little kick in the ass. That's what worked for me, man. It's not like, okay, yeah, you're gonna get, oh, you'll be fine. You're not gonna be fine. If you don't deal with it, you're not gonna be fine. You're gonna die. Or you're gonna end up in jail. Someone else is gonna die. You're gonna, you know, yeah. nothing good ever comes out of it. And this is what people need to know. There's no, you know, like in helping someone, you can't be a nice guy. You gotta tell them what they need to hear in order for them to get better.
he was scrolling through the Amazon and he saw your mugshot on the the cover of Wasted Talent. Okay. He said, "Oh, Matty Hundo has a has a documentary out. He he knows I do stuff in the business okay, and whatnot." Okay. So he said, "Oh, he's got a documentary out." And he looked. So that's not that's not Matt. That's the kid from a Bronx Tale. So I've I've been hearing that for a long time that that we have similarities and whatnot. You got the little mole though. You got like the De Niro mole there. Yeah, yeah. Well, his yeah, is so. up, up more. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, definitely passed for his son. My my Instagram nickname for a long time was Young Bobby De Niro. Oh, okay. <laughs> but t- tell the story about Jones Beach. That's that's a classic. You weren't acting. You weren't trying to get into the business. They put out flyers all over yeah, the well, city. Yeah, well, yeah, they were putting out flyers. They happened to be there that day, Section 4, Jones Beach, July 5th, 1992. I was there. They were handing out flyers. My brother came to get me out of the water. He told the guy, my brother, be perfect for this. Guy gave me a flyer. We started talking about it, and he was like, oh, wow, you know, you do look like De Niro. So they invited me to uh, Arthur Avenue that night <clears throat> where the movie... The Italian section of the Bronx. Right, the Little Italy of the Bronx, where the actual, the movie, you know, actually took place. Fordham, the Fordham of the Belmont section of the Bronx. So I went down there that night. I had never acted. I had never done anything. And I just discovered that night that I was, I had some talent, that I was, had the ability to do it. The guy loved what I did. We exchanged numbers. They called me the, uh, the guy called me the next night, uh, the next, yeah, the Sunday, he called me the next day. Well, it wasn't him. It was a lady from De Niro's, uh, you know, Tribeca called me up. And I thought they wanted to talk to my dad because he had the same name as I did. They asked for Lilo Bracato. Right. So, yeah, my father, you know, did construction, like did extensions on homes and concrete works. I thought somebody called my dad for, like, some kind of job estimate. And it turned out they, you know, wanted to talk to me. They liked the tape, and they invited me down to to Tribeca down in, uh, you know, uh, know, lower Manhattan. I went down there. You know, I met with some people. I read. They liked it. Got a call back. And then I just kept getting callbacks. And as I went down there there were less and less people less and less people and eventually it was just me then the kid you beat out for the role wasn't that the kid that shot Sonny yeah he's yeah, the he's kid still, at the end yeah he's still a good friend of mine yep. Phil Phil Garbarino came to see me when I was away twice uh, pretty solid guy you know unfortunately for him and fortunately for me I was given the role but it's not because of his acting ability or that mine was better than his. He was 21 at the time. I was 16. The movie, it's a different movie. Yeah, the movie works better when the kid's young. Yep. At 21, the kid's already almost, not set in his ways, but already made that choice as whether he wants to go right or left. When you're 16, you're right there, and yep. you can go either way. Yep. So 21, you already went, already made that decision. Yeah. I heard in an interview the scene that they, that they had you do, I think it was the first time, was the shaving scene in the mirror. Right, that's correct. So the things you're talking about there reminded me of when I was in high school and I started dating black women, black girls at the time, and I'm trying to tell my parents, but I don't know what they're going to say, you know? So I test the water a little bit like you did. Hey, what, what, what do you think? I'm asking for a friend. I think, didn't you say, like, Joey Orso? Yep. Okay, so I did the same thing. And my parents were, my dad was kind of like, I don't give a shit what you do. You know, whatever you, whoever you want to date, you date who you want. My mom says, oh, great. Sounds good to me. And then I, I threw, threw it out there to my grandparents. Well, they had a different approach. They were more old school Italian and they didn't like it. My grandmother told me straight up, I don't think you should be dating outside your race. I don't think that the, the two races should be mixing, all that stuff. So I definitely felt the movie because I was going through the same things at the same time as you were. And 
I even wrote papers about it in high school because I was I was torn. I, I said my family doesn't approve of this. My grandparents, who I have on my arm, who I was very very close with, they didn't approve of how I was living, and I still live that way. I have a, a black girlfriend now, and you know I, I learned a lot from it, and I definitely related to that movie. Did it change the way that you went about dating? I mean, you were at a young age; you're just starting to get into chicks at that point. Did you get a lot of attention from from black girls at oh, that of point? Of course, absolutely, and I still do to this day. Yep. And I still do to this you day. Enjoy which it? Is, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. You have beautiful eyes. Yeah, so do you. Do you have a preference in women? You typically date a certain type, or? Well, I like curvy women. Yeah. Whether they're black, white, Latina. Yeah. I like. I prefer curvy women. Yeah. So that's what I. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Would you Would you marry outside your race? Yeah, absolutely. You're open to... Oh, I'm far from that. I don't yeah. care about any of that shit. Yeah. I don't Same care here. About that. So you're off parole now. Off parole as of January. Uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, you got out on New Year's Eve, right? Right, right? How many years did you actually serve? On parole or in prison? No, in prison. I did about a little over eight years in prison. Three years in jail, five and change in, in prison. It's different. So you go to Rikers. That's that's jail. Right. While I was fighting the case. Right. I did three years, three very long years in Rikers. Disgusting. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's not even, the thing that made it so tough and unbearable was the fact that I was facing a murder charge. And with that conviction, in, you know, that charge, that puts me away for like, you know, decades. That's a 20 to life, a 25 to life. And there's, you know, a heroic police officer, dead police officer behind that. You know, and they don't, you know, that's... They don't uh, look at that lightly. No, not, not at all. The you COs. No, nah, the COs. Not you know them? What? The COs don't really, I mean, COs don't really, you know, COs and cops are different. They're different. They don't really, I mean, I know a lot of COs didn't like cops, and cops don't like COs, and it's just like, I don't know. Okay. That really didn't affect, affect me too much. Okay. You know? At any point in your incarceration where you segregated because of who you are, any of that well, stuff? when I was in Rikers Island, um, they had me CMC Max, which is Central Monitored Case. So I was with some pretty bad dudes. So they didn't really have me, se- well, they had me segregated off because it was high profile, but it was it was high security because of the nature of the crime. You're facing all that time. So they got you like in a cage, in a cage, with some you know guys that similar charges to mine, yeah. all murder charges, you know what I mean? So you're with some serious guys. But then when I went upstate, I guess the uh, the criteria was different because then I was like uh, IPC, involuntary protective custody. I didn't put Forced, myself, yeah, right. right. It's involuntary, it's, you know, so they put me there. And then I was there with guys who were like, you know, uh, you know, robbing, you know, millions of dollars from the state pension fund, like white collar type stuff. Guys who were in the newspaper and I was with Plaxico Burris yeah. from the New York Giants, yeah. I was with him. Uh, I was with, uh... Oh, Oneida? Oneida, yeah. Oneida State yeah. Prison? I was with him. Um, I was with Ja Rule. <laughs> Jesus. Atkins, Jeff Atkins. Yep. He's a nice guy. Yep. Um, so I was with, you know, I was with guys like that. So, yeah, we were segregated. You, When you first get into prison, you're messed up on drugs. You had just been shot. You get out the hospital. You're, you're skinny as hell. At what point do you start using again? In, in, are you using in Rikers? Yeah, using... I started using in Rikers. Once we started going to church, once we were afforded the opportunity to go to church, there were, uh, you know, we used to go with the medical dorms. 
And a lot of those guys used to get drugs from the city. Morphine for pain, guys in wheelchairs, and because where I was, was was NIC, North Infirmary Command. So it was an, an infirmary. So it was tons of drugs everywhere. So once I went to church and I discovered that I could get methadone, I could get morphine, I can get oxy, I found the right guys, and I used to get it every Saturday. I used to have my mom send money orders. She thought it was for cigarettes, and I was a smoker. So you know, I said, Mom, please, at least let me get cigarettes because it's one of the only things I got in yeah, there. Yeah. So she was like, okay with that. She didn't know it was for drugs, and she would have never sent me the money. Uh, so yeah, then I started, I started using in Rikers, and then on November 12, 2006, I overdosed in my cell on heroin and morphine. At Rikers? Yeah, I continued to use, and then November 18, 2006 was the last time I ever got high. 2006? Yeah, it's gonna be 13 years. Great. Wow, so it's the last time you got high on anything? Alcohol, everything? Everything. Wow. November 18, 2006. So once you went away upstate, you never touched anything never, again? Never. I mean, I'm around liquor all the time, obviously. I don't have an urge. I don't have, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know if I truly believe that addiction is a disease. I don't, I don't, I'm not an advocate or I'm not, I, I don't, what I learned from my lawyer is to, you know, like you got a lot of these lawyers that try to relate to juries and they use these big words that no one can understand. When you try to explain something, an effective communicator says things to people where they can understand it. Where they can easily, like, think about what you, what you said and boom, it hits. Right. Like my lawyer said, there were three guys there that night. Two of them had guns. Lilo Broncado was not one of those people. So right there, that's easy. I understand that. Yeah. Three guys, two guns, no gun for him. Yeah. He's on trial. Okay, so that's a huge mitigating factor. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, we're supposed to see if he's guilty of murder, but no gun. How does that, was felony murder, but a Bronx jury, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like when it comes to like drug addiction, I think the fact, and when they label it a disease, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest reason, or that's the biggest place where they go wrong. When you tell someone you're sick, it enables it. I see what you mean. Because it's so like, oh, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I'm sick. Yeah. I have a disease. And I can't do it. And on then my I own. could just go blame it on that when I relapse yeah. and tell everybody, but I'm sick, man. Yeah. I have a disease. Yeah. And I say to them simply like this: If you have stage four pancreatic cancer, can you stop that? No. If you have a crack pipe in your hand, can you stop smoking? Yes. That's a disease. That's not a disease. Now, it's the bottom with, line. With that said, I, I agree with what you're saying. I would say that you're also born with something in you, though. That, that gives you a propensity to do those things. I don't think that I, I've never got into drugs, which actually surprises yeah, me. Yeah, but it's, you have, okay. I, yes, I, I believe that the propensity is there. It's a personality trait, okay? Yeah. You have an addictive personality. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you were born to be a drug addict. Correct, correct. The, a personality trait will manifest in drugs if you allow it to. Right. I've channeled my addictive personality to something else. I work out seven days a week. Yeah. I no longer crave drugs. My dad died. We were cleaning out his stuff. He had OxyContin, he had everything. Right there, I was in the room by myself. I seen parole once every four months at that point because I went down, my, my classification went down because I never gave him any problems, no dirty urines. I was always home when they came by to check my, you know, if I was home, never did a thing wrong, okay? So now, four, my, I had the privilege of going to see them only once every four months. I wasn't going to see him for like two and a half months. My mom's in the other room. I got OxyContin in my possession right now. I can take it. Okay, if it was a disease, something physiologically would have happened to me. My stomach would have turned like, what do I do, man? 
none of that shit happened. Yeah. I looked at him like I laughed. I can't believe I should do this shit. Nothing happened. You can't tell people it's a disease because they will blame it on that and they will always get high because then they could say it's a disease. I'm sick. Yeah. I think that's the biggest place. Even if it's not, it's not though. I don't believe that. I know there are many advocates and I know, you know, they want to just watch sure. insurance companies. Sure. And, you know, it's all business and it shouldn't be because these are people's lives. These are people's kids that are dying every single day. You know what I mean? When, when, when the powers that be treated as a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's, it sucks, you know, but. Talk about some of the good times, uh, making a Bronx tale. I know it's the first time you said you got high, he smoked some weed, right? I'm not making that up, right? No, no, okay. I spoke with the kid Phil. I was gonna say, it had to be like Slick or Mario, no, one the of kid, those guys. No, the kid, the kid who shot Sonny drove me home. Yeah. He had some weed, he said, do you have a smoke? And I said, no, tried it, I didn't get high that night. And then these guys were smoking a few days later and I smoked and then I did get high. That was like in uh, 1992, that was like October, November. Like right around, right around that time. So you, you know, you have fun, you, you become a little bit famous. You start partying more, going to the strip clubs, meeting a lot of famous people. You, like you said, you weren't escaping. You were partying. No, I had a lot of free time. I didn't have much responsibility. I had, you know, I had the, you know, the financial means. I had the, you know, the, I mean, it was just like I said, the perfect storm. When was and it? And my personality. You know what I mean? And my psychiatrist said that. He said, I could tell you were gonna, you'll be on drugs one day. He said, you had that personality. You always had that need for speed, for that excitement. Yeah, yeah. He goes, and you, there's no middle ground for you. Either you don't do something or you do it to an extreme. Yeah. And that's what I believe, that's the propensity. You have that propensity to do something. Not drug, you weren't born to be a drug addict. If you let it manifest in that particular thing, then it will be that. Now mine is working out. I don't miss a day. I don't. I can't even remember the last time I missed a day working out. It's been probably over a year. That's how I feel. I, I always do something. Like you said, you did some cardio today. Yeah. If I don't go lift hard. weights, I'll go ride my bike. I'll right. Go, you got to do something. get that endorphin high. I always high. do. Yep. I yeah. always do. Something. And that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. It's not a bad thing. Not at all. You know. I mean, but you know, you got somebody who's got, like I said, stage four pancreatic cancer. They'll trade you their disease for your disease right now, believe me. Yeah, exactly. Right now, give me that, give me that crack addiction, I'll take that, you take mine and I'll take yours. I wanna talk more about the relationships you built through your acting career. Okay. You know, you, you kinda, of, uh, De Niro kinda of took on a, a, a father role with you and Chaz took on a father role with you and all your relationships kinda of went in different directions. Some people stuck around and have supported you, some people have refuse to work with you on projects right. which I've seen right but it seems like more people have been supported than not can you can you talk about first get into your relationship with with Robert De Niro and, and the Irishman how you ran into him on the set well yeah that. I was invited there by uh, the guy who does his hair uh, Jerry Popolis who did my hair on a Woody Allen film let's stop on that real quick the hair piece that he did for you you had a hair piece on your own for a while, or was that just for that role? No, just for that role. Because that thing was awful. The one in the movie? Yeah, I thought it was. Well, the hairline was so far. No, back. that was my hair. Yeah, that was. You had to shave that. No, that you was. You gotta gone. shave that. No, the hair piece they put on looked great. They made. They brought it down here. Oh yeah, no, that's perfect. Ah. Yeah. So I was like, because when your hair was up no, here. No, 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 no. That's that's. Like it's time that's, to get it going. No, get, no, get rid of it. No, that that was. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll show you the, I'll show you the piece. But uh, yeah, the guy Jerry's a great guy. De Niro's a great so guy. So he does De Niro's piece for. Uh, no, he just does his. He's a hair, hair, hair. You know, what I mean, he does his hair. Oh, he does everything. He doesn't yeah, just yeah. do piece. No, no, no. He, that's not okay. his. So but, he was uh, doing the hair for the Irishman. Right, and he knew he, says, he had been to my house when he tried to try to fit me for the hair piece, and he said, "Lilo, we're going to be right down where you live when I live with my ex girl in the in the thing." He's like, we're going to be right down in the... Uh, on the river in Yonkers over there. Right. He said, and... He's pulling up uh, a picture of his old hairline right now. Well, that's the old hairline. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, I know. It's I, insane. I don't know what the hell you I couldn't you, you couldn't let it go. I couldn't... You were like, I, as you guys would say, I couldn't pot ways. No, exactly. No pot ways. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That wasn't <laughs> bad. You could you could definitely play a Boston guy. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I could do it. I'm not I'm not I'm not bad. I'll be honest. Since the first time I saw you on film, you did have that charisma that made me anything you were in, I wanted to see it. And there's only a few actors that, that I feel that way about. Oh wow, that's a good one. It's fucking eight. Yeah, he looks like 8, fucking Sinatra when he was. Well, this is a, takes place in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah, Paulie Walnuts was in this. Beautiful. Where is it? Tony Tony Sirico. Yeah. Sharippa. Yeah. Was it um, Vito Spadafora? He was the one who wouldn't work with you. Yeah. Uh, what that? What's his name? Joe Ganiscoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People get a little carried away with that stuff. Who are they to say that you didn't pay your debt to society? I mean, you you were sentenced. I in guess the they just just people with too much time on their hands. And, you know, I mean, a guy like Joe Ganiscoli. I've never done anything. I mean, as far as I was concerned, we were always cool. For him to go out of his way, it just looked like. And you was, knew him before that. Yeah, it looks like he was just trying to get himself some free press. Sure. At my expense. Sure. Because you know there was he had no relevance whatsoever at that point in time, so he says, "Let me make myself look like a good guy," at this guy's expense, who's went through hell and back, and is trying, is really trying to do the right thing, helping out. But you know that's that's what people do, and I've you know I've seen you know a lot of people do that. I'm not going to go into all names, but he went out of his way to do that. Um. Hey, whatever, you know. I mean, I made the mistakes, not him. But, uh, you know, you can't expect, uh, you know, not everyone's your friend. And, you know, you got to make the best decisions you possibly can. Because I tell, you know, I tell kids all the time, you make one bad decision, you're going to pay for it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, but I think, I think everyone deserves a second chance. I mean, there's a few things that maybe don't deserve a second chance, but there's not many. There's not many things that don't deserve a second chance. Yeah, like pedophilia. Yeah, I you mean, know, the, raping women, stuff like that. Yeah. That's that does not deserve a second chance. Yep, I agree. Cause those people are compelled to do those things, and they're not going to stop. Right. I mean, if if I'm either attracted to a little boy or I'm not. Right. And if I do it, it means I want to do it all the time. Right. That's the way I was wired. Right. That's Correct. not something that uh, you know. You know, see where I believe drug addiction is 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 different than that. Okay, so that. That brings up something else I wanted to get into. So you're you're a devout Catholic. Correct. Right. Okay. So I was raised Catholic. I'm Italian, like you. I am so anti-Catholic. I think they're the biggest hypocrites. I, I quit. I don't do it anymore. They allowed these priests to work and continue to work when they were doing this and they know they were doing this. It drives me crazy. Yeah, the, the Roman the Roman Catholic faith and the, the, the church has really went south because of a lot of this, a lot of, you know, overlooking a lot of this stuff. And there's much more of it going on than we oh, yeah. even know. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, you know, that's being covered up and, and hidden, you know, as we speak right now. I do believe the Father, the Son, the, you know, the Holy Trinity and sure. just I the mean, way you believe in Jesus the Bible Christ, and the stories you were Jesus taught. Christ died on a cross for our sins. 
And that's another thing too, you know, you have these people, they want to judge me and not give me a second chance and say, you did this and this. But then, you know, you want to talk about what a Catholic you are. Right. And the very foundation of the Roman Catholic faith is the forgiveness of sins. Correct. That's the symbol. That's what the, the cross and Jesus, that's what the cross is symbolic of. Yep. Him dying for our sins. Correct. This is the, an integral part of the faith and the foundation of it. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I just see things like uh, there was a, a teacher in New Orleans who went on a class trip with his students this week. He got fired because it was a Catholic school. They're in D.C. The kids go back to their rooms in the hotel. He goes out, goes to a strip club. On his own, not with kids, he gets fired because the Catholic Church says, we don't believe in that. But they allow priests to continuously molest kids and keep their job. It's insane. It's, it's, it's such hypocrisy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not illegal. It's a, it's a the guy went club. to the strip club. Give me a break. If he was out there, so listening a prostitute doing something along those lines and that's illegal you know then may you may have something and but that eh, i don't see the big deal how'd you do with the ladies before bronx Tale? were you were you always doing okay i mean you're a good looking guy like myself yeah i always did okay <laughs> we got we got the Birdman andy thompson over here in the uh in the peanut gallery helping us out today you got a kick out of that one let me tell you a story about this guy me and him Around the time of Bronx Tale, I had a girlfriend. She was not a black girl. This was a little before that. And he was good friends with her. We went to the same, we grew up together. We went to the same high school and everything. So me and her were, were having some issues. We were on the outs. And he, hear, he thinks that we broke up or whatever. So Valentine's Day rolls around. And she comes running down the hall holding flowers. Oh, thank you so much. She was surprised because we were like in a fight or something, you know. And she thought, this is my way of like making things right. And I see the flowers, and I'm like, who the fuck got her those flowers? And then she says, did you put these in my locker? And I said, no, I didn't. I was wondering who the hell put them there. Turns out it was this motherfucker. He put them in there. He tried to take my girl because we broke up for like a day. <laughs> Move your feet, Move your, lose your seat, baby. Jesus. So I tell him, uh, I said, I found out it was him. I said, after school, I'll see you in the parking lot. It's fucking on. Yeah, it's on. He's a he's a great ahead of me. And I was just like, you know, the older kid. He's trying to steal my girl. He's trying to wiggle his way in. See him in the parking lot. And I was just like, uh, we were friends too. So I was like, let's go. He's like, Matt, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not fighting you. We're friends, Matt. I'm not fighting you. He had a backpack on. I'm like, take your backpack off. He wouldn't take the backpack off. Take the backpack off. I don't want to, I, I want to fight you fair. Take the backpack off. Let's go. I'm not taking my backpack off. I said, all right. Hit him a few times, pulled the shirt over his head, couple uppercuts. <laughs> That's it though. And then he was in my wedding. Yeah, I was in his wedding. Every every guy in his wedding had punched him in the face at some point. His best man, me. That was a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> so feel free. If you no, want to be close to him, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. If you want to be in his next one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanna know, I wanna know like, I don't know what it's like to be famous. And handsome. I only know what it's like to be handsome. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. What, yeah. what is it like? I want to know. Like, are girls just ridiculous, just throwing, throwing no, it at you, or I what? Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but I think it's definitely easier because there is some kind, there is some familiarity. And sometimes I think it's more like 
they may trust you a little more just because you're that you, they know who you are. Yeah. A lot of girls may think like you're a good-looking guy and may want to like come up to you, but they hear crazy shit on the news all the time. This lady went with this guy, and next thing you know, he killed her. And but they don't think you're capable of that because well, they kind of know you. Well, yeah, because they're like, this guy, you know, if anything, you know, he was in the movie. Yeah, he got in trouble, but I know the story. He didn't do it. Um, I know he's, you know, helping people out, and he definitely doesn't want to go to jail again. I mean, but that's a crazy way to put that. It's true. They're like, all right, you know what? He's all right looking. Let me go say what's up. Because they know. But then they see some, you know, some guy who's not, and you know what I mean? They don't know who the fuck, they don't know who that is. Could be like Ted Bundy. He was a good-looking guy. Yeah. Oh, you got a, you got a um, native of... Uh, you know what I mean? You got a native of Yonkers. We got uh, Fucking, Son of uh, Sam. Yeah, son, son of Sam. I know from exactly Yonkers. where he lived. He lived on Pine Street. We got to go over there. Check that place out. Uh, Berkowitz. Yeah, but Berkowitz... He's still in there. No, he's... Oh, yeah, he's locked up. He's yeah. still locked yeah. up. I thought you meant he's still in the apartment. No, no. Like, he's who still, the fuck's he's his still, lawyer? He's still in prison. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, but... Yeah, Bundy was way worse than uh, than Berkowitz. Bundy, I think, was a little more in his right mind, but still out of his mind. I think Berkowitz, I don't think he well, was in his Bundy right mind. Bundy thought he was smarter than everybody, too. And he was an intelligent guy. And he used that. He used his, his cunning. Well, that's why he was able to and carry on for so long. Yeah, normal looking, acting, and he was People very... said he was handsome. He was like serial killer handsome. He wasn't real handsome. Like, we're handsome, the three of us. Yeah. He wasn't like us. No, nah, but, but that dude, that uh, Bundy was a... See, the guy Summer Sam used to get the 44 Magnum, the Bulldogs, Revolver. While go, people were, like, making out and yeah, shit, Yeah, right? that's... I mean, Bra why am I saying Brady? Bundy. <laughs> Bundy was way more sick than that. Yeah, because that dude was having them, and then he was, he was having sex with them when they were dead. I heard Tom Brady might have done that stuff, too. Who knows? Yeah. But I'm not a Patriots fan, yeah, so... Yeah, you know, it was just real... I think the, out of all of them, the worst was probably had to be Dahmer. He was killing them, eating them. And then remember that one kid, because he was homosexual. Yeah, the Asian kid. He got away. Yeah. And then he convinced the cop to give him back to him. Yep. He's sick. Please let me take him back. Yep. I'll take care of him. And that guy, I think, was by far the sickest one. Yeah. Bundy and him were the two sickest. When I saw that you were in Sopranos, it made my year. I was so happy to see you in that because I like seeing you work. And then I see you in my favorite show. So I'm like, this is great. Do you think when you took that role on as Matthew Bevilacqua, we have Bevilacquas where I come from, drink water, Bevilacqua, and you ask the drink waters, are you a Bevilacqua or a drink water? But you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of them are Italian, some of them aren't. The drink waters. It's weird how they did that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, when we saw that, that was, every everything you did, it kind of like, it just it just made sense to me. It like, I could relate to it. It, it all had to do with like, it related to my life. What, that character? That character, everything. I mean, you had my name. But when they when they signed you to do that that role, do you think that they were expecting to have you on for longer than that? And no, then you no, had no. problems? No, and no, they, no. They I knew you I off? knew from the beginning. You knew that was I know. The, they told that was me, already in the yes, script. That was already it was already mapped out. Okay. They told me that you're gonna your character's gonna get killed off. Okay. It wasn't because of any yeah. Okay. Cause I was wondering that, because I was like, imagine if he was part of like the, the real cast, you could have stayed with them for years. Yeah. Great show. I think the movie's gonna be good too. Yeah. Because that kid, uh, J uh, Johnny Berntal, he's playing the young Tony Soprano's father. What is it? The, the Chicky Montesanti story, right? Uh, Chris's dad. That's what it's about, the movie. Is it about his dad? Yeah, well, that, no, that's isn't the main it about character. Oh, yeah? I yeah. thought it was about Tony's dad. Yes, and he was tight with Dickie. So it's like, those are the main characters. Tony's dad, Chris's that's dad. John, that's Johnny Berntal. 
Johnny Bernthal plays, plays Tony. Tony's father. Yeah, Tony's he's, father. he's a perfect choice. Let me tell you. John Bernthal's very, very talented actor. I've seen him. He was in Wolf of Wall Street. He was in Walking Dead. He was in Grudge Match. He was in that movie Shot Callers. I mean, he's a talented guy, very diverse, very versatile, and I think he's going to be great in that role. He's got the perfect look. He's, he's perfect. He's perfect. He's Let's, perfect for that. Speaking of that stuff, you've been getting some work. Talk about the projects that you've been working on lately. Well, I have a film that I produced with my partner uh, called The Fury, where I pr play a member of law enforcement. That's in the final stages of post-production. Looks awesome. Shot well. It's a violent movie. It's about a vigilante. That'll be out in the fall. I got a film Filmed here in New York? Or? No, we shot it in Florida. We shot some of it here in New York. We shot some in Colorado. Shot all over the place. And then we did. I did a film called The Fifth Borough, Tara yep. Reed. Yep. I, I'm like a pretty much a, a main a lead role in that. Even though my character's not the main, but I'm I got the pretty much the most screen time. Uh, also, Furio from. Uh, yeah, he plays. Uh, he plays one of the. Uh, a federal agent in that. Okay. Yeah. Furio from The Sopranos. Right. And, and Crazy Mario, Louis Venaria. He's also a good friend, he, right? Yeah, he, oh, he's my boy. Love him. Uh, so that's what you got going on now. Have you ever reached out to the family of the police officer? No, I wasn't you... allowed to because I was on parole. That was one of the stipulations. You know, I, I plan on doing so one day, you know. I mean, one time we had a little, we had a few words. I posted something on uh, Instagram. I think it was like in 2015 on the anniversary of the death I posted a picture of the police officer and you know wrote some really you know nice things about him and and then of course you get a lot you know a lot of comments and sure. people coming in a there's lot, some negativity I'm sure a lot way more positivity yeah and then out of nowhere some girl says uh, she says have you ever reached she goes you never even reached out to the family and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I kind of got mad and I was like, well, how the fuck do you know I didn't reach out to the family? Number one, they don't know. Number two, they don't know the stipulations right, but, of your right. release. But and... you know what she said? She said, I was there when the cops came to my house and told my mother that her brother's dead. Uh, it was the, the mother, it was the, the, the niece. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. She I did said, know a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. Then my whole tone changed and I said, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. And I said, I wish, you know, I wish you really knew what happened that night. You know, if I was there alone doing exactly what I was doing without the other guy, your uncle would still be alive. I said, and believe me, there's not a day that goes by I don't think about that night. Oh, I wish I could change it, but you know, I can't. And uh, <clears throat> this and that, and I asked her, how's your mom doing? And then this and that. We, we did have a few words and it was, I mean, she was okay. She wasn't, she was, she was, she seemed, you know, nice, but a little, I mean, obviously she was, you know, her, her uncle was killed. And, well, I uh, also think a lot of times when you go commit a crime, no matter what it is, it's about your intent. You didn't go there to hurt anybody. No, I just wanted to even, get the drug. You didn't even go there to. to I was to, dope sick. Do you think I want to go commit a murder, dope sick? I want to go get more dope so I don't, so I'm not sick anymore. Go home and go to sleep. You think I want to do all that? When a guy's sick, do you think? I mean, listen, we're not arch criminal. We're just the purpose of. It's not like we're committing a crime for money, or you know what I mean. We know this. You know, gold bars in there and all fucking, you know, barrel bonds and all everything. Like, we're going to, it's going to be a, you know, you know, a $750,000 score cash. You know what I mean? When you're doing it for that. I mean, isn't, isn't it true you were actually stealing pills? Yeah. You were going there because you knew he had pills. Right. To, to, because I was dope sick. He right. had Tylenol codeine. That would have taken away the, the, the opiate withdrawals. And I would have been able to go to sleep. When you're going there, if you're going there to like rob, you know, like I said, for all this money and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see. 
you know, you'd be, you'd be ready to go. You'd have guns ready. And you don't give a fuck who gets in your way. You know, listen, I want this money. I'm going to kill whoever's in there. When I'm going to get drugs, it's different. I don't want to hurt anybody or anything. I want to get in and out. This is because of the way I feel physically. I want to change that through the, you know what I mean? It's different. People don't understand that. But then the press writes, cop killer and all this negative shit. And it's like, bro, that's, you don't understand what that's it is. That's off the headlines. Though. Yeah, that's I know, all... but you don't understand what it is. And that's why I've dedicated a lot, a big part of my life to, to helping other people. Because I know what it is. I've been in the trenches and I know what it is to, you know, be sick like that. And I work for a health company, Amitus Health. And we're a dual diagnosis. We're a national treatment provider for those suffering with, you know, mental health and substance abuse disorders. So you work in that field now? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a national outreach coordinator. Basically, I post stuff on my Instagram. I leave them a number they can call. They can private message me there. And we can, you know, we see what we can do. We can get them help. You want to give that number? 833-754-9293. And that's for anybody suffering with addiction yes. that needs help? 833-754-9293. Either it's a dual diagnosis. If you have issues or you know someone with issues with mental health or substance abuse, drugs and alcohol, please. 833-754-9293. And get the help that you need and that you deserve. You know, because like they say, you're worth it. Have you spoken to the, the guy you committed the crime with? He's doing life, right? Right. I, I mean, I haven't spoken to him since, you know, back when we when we were still in jail together. <laughs> then he went upstate and... Separate prisons. Oh, yeah. He went to a max. Yeah. I went to a medium. Yeah. Yeah. What about his daughter, who you used to date? Yeah, I spoke to her. She's married. Uh, she's got... She's married twice. She's got kids from two different marriages. Uh, Med school never happened? No, she's very bitter toward me. A lot yeah. of resentment. Yeah. You know, and I, I understand. And, you know, it is what it is, you know? I mean... You both had your responsibility in the right. in the crime. Can you tell us about your relationship, how you met Jason Williams? Because I, I saw him in Wasted Talent. Yeah, he had no, some I, I just met him when we were, you know, like... Strip going, club, he yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, we were on out. But well, I met him at this party this for the makeup company, NARS, N-A-R-S. I met him there. <laughs> and we'd see each other out, and you know we had the same, uh, we had the same appetite for cocaine. He had just signed for 86 million. I was up and coming, and another, uh, there was another perfect storm. <laughs> I know he told that story about yeah. finding you in the closet. Do and I don't that? even remember why I, was I went say, down there. I didn't there. Even think you remember. And that. this is like three days later. <laughs> I opened up the closet door, and Lilo's still there. He's That's there. in the documentary. Lilo's still know. there. Oh man. That's crazy. Do you remember it? Yeah, I was heard him coming down. It was like four days later. Well, you, you the weren't party, there the whole time, were you? Yeah, I was. I was in because he had like thirty rooms in this house, and I had like an ounce of blow. So I was just going. But why the closet? You had bedrooms. You could be why? Laying in a because bed. I heard him coming. Oh, and I was oh, so oh, paranoid. Oh. I went to hide, oh. <laughs> and he heard the thing. So he opens up the door, and I'm just like, Hey, Jay. Oh my God. Like wired out of my skull, my jaw. And Lilo's still there. <laughs> he said. I love Jay, though. He's, he's another one. You know, he's been through his things. Yeah. But he's, uh, you know, dedicated his life. You know, he dedicated his life to, you know, something similar to, uh, you know, what I'm doing. And he has a place in, you know, in Florida. So, you know, listen, man, listen. He turned the negative into a positive. And that's, you know, that's what life's about. Have you reached out to other actors or people in entertainment that are going through drug addiction? I know you helped out with Drea DiMatteo a little bit. No, no. She was already clean by that point. 
But you, you did some uh, that reentry program in New Jersey. Right, because she couldn't do it. Okay. She couldn't do it. Uh, she couldn't be there physically. So she asked me to do it. And I said, yeah, no problem. And then she did me a favor and was in the documentary. She was great. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I think she actually put a lot of... People didn't know about her. She kind of like outed herself on that documentary. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah. That's what people are supposed to do. Let's talk about... Not worry about... about the movie business and let's hide this. And when you have the opportunity because of what you did in the past to help somebody else, that's what God wants. That's a beautiful thing. I think, you know, like when it comes to the movie business and all, like forget all that bullshit. There's a much big... People say to me like, hey, Lilo, what's going on, man? Any more movies? Like, what's like, bro, life is way more about just what movies and stuff. Like, I think the stuff that I do now with helping people, I get feel so much more satisfaction from some kid's mother calling me and saying, Lilo, thank you so much, man. My son's six you know, months clean today because of you. If it wasn't for you, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. That gives me way better than any movie. You know, well, what, that, The movies are great. Don't I, I, it's, I appreciate it. No, but it's a what blessing. the movies and entertainment and sports, what that does is it gives you a platform. Right. Because I don't, I don't have that. I mean, I do a little bit now with a podcast, but a regular guy doesn't have a platform. You're absolutely right. You it have increases a platform your, to help. It, it increases your influence. Correct. Because the more you do it, like people like, well, it's living proof that recovery works. I'm living proof. That's why on my Instagram, I post pictures sometimes with my shirt off. It's more, it's not what you tell people, it's what you show them. When you show them a guy that's like, you healthy know, and great, that's, you can't be more, you know what I mean? There's no better way to say the guy's healthy than show a picture of how healthy he is. And people look at that like, wow, man, I want that. This guy was If you haven't crack. seen Lilo... He's ripped. Yeah, you haven't seen this guy. This guy's been smoking crack, and this guy was smoking crack and sniffing dope, and he looks like that now. Holy shit! He looks like the king in 1993. 1993. Yeah. All right, it's time to keep it a hundo. You ready to keep it a hundo? Yeah. All right. How much you bench? Oh, I'm not. I don't do any of that anymore. But do you do you do reps 225? Nah, I mean, do you I do anything? I haven't been under a bench in months. Okay. My you do dumbbells. Show, nah, I don't even do that. But yeah, if I do dumbbells, I'll do like. Uh, I did dumbbells a couple. I do push-ups, and you know, like I'll do. I like a lot of push-ups. I do them real wide. Incline close. everything. Yeah, I did some. I superset it. I did 20 sets of pull-ups, all different angles. Yeah. And I superset that with push-ups. 20, you know, 40 sets in, yep. un, in, in like 45 minutes. You can't, it's impossible to 40 and 40 because you never stop. But yeah, I can do yeah. about 45, That, that high impact stuff. Hell yeah. That, that's what it's about, man. 43, I want that, I want that, that, uh, I want that, that stamina. I don't care, but, you know, like I'll do some, you know, like chest busters. Yep. Yeah. I like those because they split the middle up. They, and they, your shoulder. It doesn't yeah, throw your yeah. shoulder. I have a torn shoulder, Yeah, I got, too. I got both torn shoulders. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I have one. Because when you go out wide is when it hurts. Yep. When you come in tight. Yeah. And if I'm It's doing, fine in there. Yeah. You know, it's... it's when, Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's like a labrum. It's like a torn labrum. I have a torn labrum. Yeah. That's what I have. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Multiple tears in my left labrum. Yeah, I got them, I got them in both sides. Ah. You're going to get... I'm not getting surgery. Nah, look, I mean, I could still do this. Yeah, I can swim. Yeah, I could do all that. You know what it is? Right now, it's not aggravated. You do one wrong move, then you'll be Correct. messed up for a couple weeks. Correct. Then it comes back. Sleep on it wrong. Yeah. That comes happens. Back. But you know what? You learn about the injury. You learn what sets it off and aggravates it. And you don't do that. Because, you know, at, at you know, our age, we're basically all the same age. We're not going to get any bigger anymore. You can you can get stronger. You can get more ripped. Yep. And he's... Well, the only way you're going to get bigger now is literally... You, know, you got to use steroids. Correct. You can get bigger that way, but I'm not putting... 
that in my body. Absolutely. I not. never did steroids in my life, and I'm definitely not doing it at 43 years old. Definitely not doing it. Nah. You know? It's not good for you in your 20s. You're putting your 40s. You drop dead. So I get girls ask me all the time, especially like, you know, I had a girlfriend, my girlfriend's friends. They always ask, you got a brother? I do have a brother, but he's married. I think what they mean is, do you have anybody that looks like you? Kind of looks similar. Yeah. You single? Uh, yeah, yeah. I am single. Ladies, he's single. All right. I'll keep that in mind. What's the weirdest DM you've ever received? Or if you have any stories about some crazy DMs. Because I know you get some, I know you get some crazy shit. I mean, you know, I remember one time there was this young kid, he, he was like a real weird kid, he was telling me that. And sometimes I don't know if this shit is real or not. The kid said he's addicted to porn. And he was just like, I don't know the way he's just, I was like, yo, my man, you know, listen, please, I don't want to talk about this shit. <laughs> Tell me he can't stop jerking off. <laughs> He's addicted to porn. I was like, how old is he? He says like 13. I was like, bro, listen, don't even fucking talk to me. Don't even write those words and send them to me. I don't want to hear this shit. I wish you all the best, but I, if you want drugs and you're, you're, you're drinking, and so maybe I, I can, can help. help you. I don't know anything about that other stuff that you're talking about. So go jerk off and tell somebody else about this shit, please. I wish you all the best. I, I hope you can work it out. That went a different direction than I expected, and I well, like. What were you it. expecting? Some broads? Oh no! Yeah, I thought it was some broads or something. Yeah, that, but that's that's, that's not easy. weird. Yeah, you know. No, you're... I like it. Great answer. You, yeah. you 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 pass out when we're flying colors. Uh, steel cage match. What I'll you... show you my block users. He's on there right now. <laughs> I got him. You think I'm kidding? I'll show you. These kids are fucking nut job. Right? <laughs> He's there. Did I unblock him? Wait, there he is, right here. That looks like a real See? account. It doesn't look like somebody pretending. I'm a dope nigga with some bad bitches. I'll take your bit, MBF. You gonna let him back? Well, I'm just gonna See show what happens? you. Yeah, let's. I'm gonna show you. Oh Jesus! No, I'm not nah, he's private. You just MBF gang. Just fucking block me. There's no use talking to me. Listen, I'm a little uncomfortable. What were you talking to me like this? Wait, fuck! I told you. I told him. A little comfortable, my man. Leave me the fuck alone if I beat your father up. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Because, you know. Speaking of that, who you got? Because you're in your recovery or something happened, they want to treat you like an asshole sometimes. And you think you got to bow down. You're supposed to be in recovery. You're not supposed to. Listen, if you disrespect me, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. I hope That's you the do. bottom line. Okay? Don't think because. Don't think you're going to keep holding my. You know, bringing my past up and all this bullshit. I, I wake up every single day with the determination to become better every single day in a different person. So don't you fucking tell me what I got to do or hold my pay. Oh, I, I, you don't tell me what I'm supposed to do and not do. I know what I do. I know where I've been and I know where I am now. He's asking if you got a wife and kids. Do you have a wife? Look, I don't even know. Yeah, I give him one more answer. That's he's a shame. It. He says he's trying to come up with new hobbies, but he can't think of anything else. Look, I told him, well maybe, you look, well, maybe you need to get involved in more good stuff, so keep your mind off the bad stuff. Please don't unfollow me. It means so much to me. Don't worry about this, because oh, I'm going to be a legal 17. Adult. About to be 18. How old are you anyway? Yeah. Except my font weight. Oh, addiction. porn addiction. There it is. What's going on? But it's not a drug addiction. Oh, what, I have an addiction, a porn addiction. Well, I don't really know what to do to help you in that sense. Thanks anyway. I love your role in the Bronx there. That makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Because you know what, something like that could easily be misconstrued. Some guy said you talk, get the fuck Absolutely. out of here. This cocksucker reached out to me. Don't fucking tell me what I did. I know this is crazy, this guy's like, whoa, this guy's, please edit some of these crazy I'm, go I'm going to, but some of this is great. I know, but it's like, you know, these people, and now he's back. Now, see, now because <laughs> he's back.
<laughs> he's back. Hey, it's well, like well, if I stand correct, today's the third day. I'm telling you, I'm heroin free, and I guess you're pretty good. Don't get me wrong. This president's dealt for me, helped me, but this is the first time in a long time I didn't give drug dealers any money unless you're pretty good. How about myself? I'm glad to hear it, Bobby. I really am. Just keep going. You will be okay. This is a guy right here. His name is. Oh, that's a different guy. Okay. Yeah, no, no. This uh, is this is a street guy. Okay, good. This good, guy good. they call him Bobby Fingers. Bobby Fingers went away already for murder. Oof. It's Bobby be right there. Oh, I saw him on your Instagram. Yeah, that's Bobby Fingers. Yep. He's not playing. He's my boys. We we're both old trying to get up. We're He's both... in Yonkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. If I get down like that. Yeah. It's me and Bobby. Bobby Fingers is, but he's my trying to help him out because he's fucking fucked up and I want to see him get clean. This day he's asking me for money so I can't do He's that. in and out, clean, not clean. Well, he's, 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 got, he's got life parole. You know, he's a, you know, he did some crazy shit in his life. Yeah. I love Bobby, though. I really want to help him. I wrote his, Lord, his, his daughter's letters when he was still in, when he was coming out. Please take your fight. Loves you. And he never forgot that. Little, little, I love you, man. Sweet. You know what I mean? You know, and he's a, he's a good guy. I just want to no, I like seeing you help people out because it means a lot to them. You know? Girl. She just sent this to me. Congratulations. I love the black girls. You like them? Oh, I love them. My girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I got I got some... Yeah, I love them. They're, I got to say, they're... Uh, they're up there for me. What's up with Tara? You, do you still talk to her? Yeah, you you have a project with her, don't you? Yeah, no, we're doing an autograph, a Bronx Tale reunion thing in... Uh, June at the Hollywood Center in LA, uh, the 27, 28, 29 will be out. Well, I think it's the 28th, the 27th and 28th. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna see her. I haven't seen her probably from back then. No, they got a trail back there. That's cool. I was like, so, what's going on back there? Yeah, I got a few more minutes, all right? Yeah, I got a couple more questions. Uh, if you could work with one director, who would you work with? Scorsese. I figured that'd be the answer. Yeah, I would have loved to have been in The Irishman. But I know. I know a lot of people in the movie, but they're not real significant parts. And sometimes I think, I mean, it's still, you still worked with Scorsese. Yeah. But yeah, you just want more interaction with him. Yeah, I mean, to like be there for two days and like, and then the movie's going to be like probably three and a half hours long. Yeah. Because it's like a whole history. You mark my words, it's going to be the best mob movie ever. It looks Irishman. great. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, they, they're doing CGI on that. Computer-generated imagery. They're going to all look younger. Yep. Did you ever see the trailer? Yep. <laughs> Did you just hear the voices? Yep. It's awesome. It looks great. Who you got in a steel cage match? Sonny versus Lorenzo. Sonny being the gangster that... He was influenced by in the movie of Bronx Tale and oh, Lorenzo be being his dad, played by Lorenzo, De Niro. Lorenzo was just, you know, like a, had that street sense, and I don't know. That would be a good one. That would be a close one. I don't know. That would be a close one. Tough call. Yeah. DMX or Jadakiss? In what, a fight? No. Who you listen to? Who, who you I got? DMX. Take DMX over yeah. Jada? I think Jadakiss, lyrically, he's very talented. I know them both. I just think that Jadakiss... I mean, DMX, the stuff that he talks about and the things that he's been through, I can relate to a little bit more. Yeah. Like the song Slippin'. Yep. Listen to it today. Yeah. I just think that his stuff rings a little more true to me and the person that I am and what I was. And, yep. You know. Yeah, I'd say Jadakiss has like, it's more lyrical, it, but DMX is just like, just. You feel you it. You feel it. It's more heartfelt yeah. stuff. It's charisma, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's just, you know, but Jada Kiss, I mean, you give him a microphone, that guy comes up with stunning lyrics. He's just like, he's great. He's got a great voice, the raspiness, you know, but uh, I got to say, you know, what's his, what's his name? DMX. What's your favorite movie of all time? Probably Bay Lieutenant, Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Yeah, not the one with Nicolas Cage. So yeah, Harvey's great. Yeah. Uh, before Bronx Tale, did you ever have a celebrity crush or anything? Like when you were younger? I remember when I was younger, younger, I used to love Alyssa Milano when she was on Who's the Boss? Yep. Back in the 80s? Yep. She was hot. She's a lunatic now. Yeah. Crazy oh, tweeter. She, she talks yeah. all types of yeah, yeah, nonsense. She's, she's nuts. But, uh, yeah. You know what, man? Like sometimes I think of that, that show, Who's the Boss? Yeah. That's what I need. I need a part like that. No, no, seriously. Like Tony Maselli? Yeah, I need a part like that. That'll bring me right back. Yeah, because you need that, a lighthearted role. Right. Likeable. Right. Like, people can relate to a guy that people love. Yep. A, 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 you know, a national show, major network. Something like that will put me right. You know what I mean? I don't want to do this, you know, this, this tough guy shit. And that doesn't do anything to help my cause. Well, you, you've I, kind of been pigeonholed into that right, and character. But, you know, and I could do, you know, like, you know, Renaissance Man or Shakespeare. That's a completely and, yeah, different, yeah. You know, Shakespeare and the Rain. And I think that uh, a role like freaking Tony Maselli would be absolutely no, perfect. No, I, I definitely think you have the you know the chops for it. Yeah, you know? that would be perfect. Even with the shaved head. We, that, that, that was a good little, the, the, just the whole premise of the show. Guy tries to get his daughter out of Brooklyn, meets them, he's the house. Mona just died recently. Yeah, I know. What was her name again? I don't uh, know her real name. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Well, I was just talking about that the other day. I was like, oh, I loved her on that show. She was a hot old lady. Yeah. No, but I loved Alyssa Milano. Though. Oh, yeah. Alyssa <laughs> <laughs> um, Milano was... You and Mike Tyson were both in that, that movie back in the day. Did That's you meet correct. him on set? Did no, you ever, I never met him. Never got a chance Mike's, to meet him? Mike's a good guy, though. He's, oh, I'd was, love to meet him. He's supportive, though. He held the newspaper up when I was on the cover. Saw that. Yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson's... He seems like such a real guy. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get on his bad side. He looks like a pretty pretty crazy... I heard him, I heard like him on... Flip a, and knock you out. I heard him on a podcast last month, and he was talking about how he can't... He can't go for an hour anymore. I can't beat it up like I used to. And then he was talking about um, how he just doesn't have that like killer instinct in him, any, in him anymore to like fight. He's just he, you just grow up and you you know you mature. Yeah, I still wouldn't. I still, oh, I still won't want. I still yeah. <laughs> believe me. You're a Mets fan. Die hard. Three favorite Mets of all time. I hate the Mets, but I have three favorite Mets myself. John Franco. Yeah, that's a good one. Low, he was a Brooklyn guy, right? Yeah, John Franco's great closer. Yeah. Uh, Believe it or not, even though he wasn't a real Met, I loved Johan Santana. Ah, he yeah. Came there, you, yeah. You liked him before. He was great before the Mets. He was Mets. great. Then yeah. he came there. He was still good, but he wasn't like he was on the Twins. Yeah. Because then he started getting injured and stuff like that. I thought he was going to be better because the National League is a little easier yeah. for pitchers. You exactly. Got, you know? I like the kid now. I like Conforto. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Conforto's good. Mikey Conforto. I mean, it's, yeah. I got to go back to 86. I know 86. that 86 team, right? But. So, obviously, Strawberry. That, his swing was ridiculous. Yeah, he was like that. Oh, man. 6'6". We used to always sit there and whiff a ball, do all the stances. Yeah, yeah. Try to do them all. Doc Gooden, of course. Wally Backman. Remember Wally Backman, the second baseman? Yeah, how was Wally? Wally had a, like a... Wally. Yeah, he was down low. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he was a switch hitter, though. Yeah. He, but the reason I like him is, you ever seen his YouTube videos? No. He's a manager in the minor leagues. He throws those temper tantrums and goes crazy. Throws all the balls on the field, picks up bases and chucks. He's an animal. He's hilarious. I like that guy. Uh, what line of yours from the movies is probably the Bronx Tale? Um, do people say to you the most? 
probably waste of talent. Yeah. It's the saddest thing in life, waste of talent. Cause yeah. It, you know. Has anybody ever called you cheese fuck in public? Maybe once or twice. That was hilarious. Yeah, That's yeah. such a stupid line, and it's so funny. Yeah, Silvio Dante turns to him as Sopranos. He says, hey, cheese fuck. What the fuck are you doing? Sil, take it easy. I'm losing my balls over here. This fucking moron's playing Hazel. Get the fuck out of here. I was just trying to sweep the cheese away from Why? You. Why now? Leave it there. I don't know. I was just... What? Where do you get these fucking idiots, huh? Where do you get them? He's, I'm, he's sweeping the cheese. I'm trying to get the... Leave the fucking cheese there, all right? I love fucking cheese with my feet. I stick motherfucking provolone in my socks at night so they smell like your sister's crotch in the morning, all right? So leave the fucking cock-sucking cheese where it is. Here, here, here. Go ahead. Have a good time. I should stay with my gourmet tonight. Hey, cheese fuck. Give me some food. Such a funny line. Have you ever tried the crazy Mario test? They failed my test in a second. What test are we talking about? Oh, it has a name or if something? If you want to know if you can trust a girl and she's good enough to marry, she's got to pass the test. I call it the Mario test. This I got to hear. What's this test? I got to hear. The test is you take a girl like that, you take her for a ride in your car, right? Yeah. Jump on the highway, you pull right up to one of them big fucking 18-wheelers on the highway, right? You pull right alongside of it, you get the attention of the driver. Honk your horn, do what you got to do. Make sure he's looking at you. That's important. Now, at the same time, you put your hand behind this fucking broad's head and you start pushing her head down firmly between your legs. Yeah? Get the fuck out of here. Wait a minute. We're all good, believe me. Now, if this girl goes down on the old Brajo, knowing that that guy in the truck is watching, then she's a pig and she can't be trusted. It's not gonna work. Sick never maniac. Work. You're a sick maniac. You need some help. When they get into it, they do something with their hand, they throw their hair over their ear. They did before. Believe me, they're fucking pros. Yeah, we did do that once. The crazy Mario test. Yeah, with the, with the girl. We did it with this girl, Sandy. Next to the Mack truck? Yes, we did it with this girl, Sandy. My brother and my cousin, Mario, who was just who was just in the uh, Dunkin' Donuts before you guys got here. Your they, cousin was there? Yeah, they came, picked me up from the airport. It was a red-eye flight. They came and got me at, like, you know, six, seven in the morning. They brought the girl, Sandy, with us. And she was a promiscuous girl. And, uh... That's what we did. We had her in the, they bought her there for me. And like, well, hey, look what we got with us. Let's and give we were it a in try. the back seat. And then my brother, you know, we did it. Yeah. We and did do it. So did she, she, she went along with it? Oh, yeah. She's like. No she's, problem. Are you kidding me? That's second nature. <laughs> <laughs> what about the car door test? That's tough because of now with the alarm. Nowadays, you can't. Yeah. But I used to do it in high school. Yeah. And I remember doing it to, to my girlfriend's senior year, the car door test, not the crazy Mario test. And she failed miserably. And I should have let her go right there. And I didn't. And she was selfish. And she was selfish the whole relationship. Really? I should have known. Seriously. Yeah, it's, it's, it, can, it can be an extension of who someone is. But you don't know what they got on their mind. Sure. They could have had a bad fucking day. And they she could was be also 15, about years, 15 years old, you know? Yeah. So. You know, she probably was, I don't know, who the hell, maybe she failed the test. She knew her parents going to get on her. She's probably thinking, what the fuck am I going to do when I get home? And you're walking. She's not thinking open the door for you not because she sells just because she got all the shit <laughs> depends on when what day you catch someone you know top five rappers rappers all time dead or alive well Tupac Biggie Tupac Biggie probably Nas Wu-Tang that whole crew has one pick one you gotta pick one pick Rake one Rake one okay I love it Big L was good 
That's it. That's five. Yeah. You got five. I said DMX. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. I was waiting for some Yonkers. No, 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 no. DMX. All right. Take Big L out of there. Rest in peace. Put DMX in there. Got it. Favorite place to visit? Anywhere. I love LA, man. LA. Yeah, I love it out there to visit. You don't want to live there. Nah, probably. You know, it's not. You might end up living there. Yeah, it might. You know, it just seems like people care a lot less about what happened with me out there. Yeah. Are you a little apprehensive to go into the city? No, I not don't, at all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I okay. Don't fuck about what people think. You don't feel that. I mean, sometimes you get it, but I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold myself back from doing things because of something that I paid my debt to society. I did my time. I was. I was a model parolee. So as far as anybody, you know, what I'm concerned, I do what I want. I don't walk around disrespecting police. I don't. I, I got number of respect for them. I don't post anything on my Instagram that's you know offensive toward law enforcement. I've been respectful since the day I got in trouble to right now. I'm sure if you and run the, into people and you have like one-on-one conversations, everything's like... Yeah, no, but that's the way it happens. As one, and you know, in the press, and they have to take that stance, and they have to, you know, but that's the way it is. I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I don't care, you know? But when they see me as a, a person, they say, oh, this guy's pretty funny, he's all right. You know? I mean, I just had my friend, we just buried him yesterday, he was a cop. Friend Al. Oh, he was a cop? Yeah, you friend told Al. told me you had a yeah, 40, funeral. Yeah, 47 years old. Ah. Uh, yeah, he was 47 years old. He died of a blood clot because he drove back from Florida. and he was, Sitting too long. Yeah, sitting too long. He got he got a clot. Man. You got you got If you're taking a long ride, you could take some aspirin. He's a pilot. He yeah. sits in that cockpit too long sometimes. Take some aspirin. Yeah. Thins out your blood. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fucking that's what he died. The kid was healthy. He was a retired cop. Just bought a house. He's got a little baby son. That's uh, uh, John Singleton, too. Blood clot. Yeah. Uh, death row meal. Last one. This actually makes a little sense to you. You were almost you were almost locked up that long. But I always ask all my guests, what's your death row meal? If you can have one last meal. I like chicken martini. Chicken martini. Yeah. What are you having on the side? Maybe what gnocchi. Love a good gnocchi, yeah. yeah. Gnocchi, chicken martini. What are you having to drink with it? I know you don't drink alcohol, but... Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. And a nice, nice big slab of New York cheesecake. The best around, some whipped cream and some ice cream. Okay. That's about it, man. All I got to say is uh, the working man. He's not a sucker. He's not a sucker. My father was the hardest working guy around. That's right. Thank you, guy. Thanks, Thank you. brother. I appreciate it. Sorry, I got I to gotta get back home. Jesus, he sounds like Louis Dumps in the Bronx Tale trying to evade C for like 20 bucks. Hey, he got off cheap. Like Sonny said, you never got to talk to the guy again. Lilo's a character. That was great meeting him. Like I said, that movie was so influential on me growing up. But don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to celebrate any of the transgressions he made in his life or even overlook them. I do want to commend him for the way he's handled himself since his life fell apart. He's done a great job picking up the pieces, and he's persevered through it all. It certainly is a testament to his character. I honestly don't know how I would have handled being famous at age 16. I was not mature at all. I probably would have messed it up in some way, too. And the sobriety, the way he's attacked that, he's been an advocate, helping others, not only staying clean himself for 13 years, but... He's involved with a program now to help other people. He's an ambassador. So I give him much credit for that. If he never makes another big movie or if he never becomes, you know, the star he was back in the 90s, 
I don't think it matters to him, and I don't think it, it doesn't matter to me. I really appreciate what he's doing with himself and doing with his life. I honestly feel like he found his calling, kind of like Chris Heron did. You look at a guy like John Lucas. I almost feel like they're more satisfied with their lives and what they've become after their initial stardom as athletes or entertainers because that gave them the platform that gave them the notoriety because it's one thing if a guy like me comes on here and says say no to drugs it's another thing if a guy with the stardom or the notoriety or the name recognition of a Lilo Broncado comes out and not only does he tell you how to go about becoming clean and sober but he shows you so that is the main theme I want you to get from this podcast. But I hope it was entertaining because it entertained the hell out of me. He is a character. Piece of work, that guy. And I believe in his acting. The guy can act. He's, he's good at what he does. I'd really love to see him blow up again. I think he can. He just needs that chance. So good luck to him. And if you haven't seen A Bronx Tale, you're sleeping. Go see it. It's a classic. It's timeless. Still resonates today. I still think of it when certain situations come about. And if you're still listening, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for supporting Keeping It a Hundo. I know I haven't been putting out as many podcasts as I was last year. But if you could please rate and review, I would love it. I don't care what you say. You could tell me record more, uh, get better guests. I don't care what you say, but please leave some comments under the Keeping It a Hundo podcast app on iTunes. Uh, the more comments, the better I do. Uh, they have this algorithm. The more comments, the more ratings. All that stuff's important to me. So please let me know how you feel about this. And if you haven't, make sure you subscribe and download my episodes. They're free. You can find it on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts. I do have some great podcasts lined up for the next few weeks. I don't want to promise anything because sometimes these things fall through, but I do have some great guests lined up. So keep listening and keep looking out. If you subscribe, you'll get notifications letting you know the next podcast is out. Big thanks to Lilo Broncado. It was a pleasure to meet him. And big thank you to Andy the Birdman Thompson for helping me with the videos and letting me use the trunk of his car and telling the guy with the loud salsa music to turn it down when we're trying to record. And a shout out to Frank Peppies for the clam pizza we had before we did the podcast, the one in Yonkers. I hope this podcast is one of the three great ones, even if it's one of the three great ones you listen to today. See you next time on Keeping It a Hundo. Now you just can't leave.